You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Catherine Boxfield. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions that push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. Good morning, Catherine. Thank you so much, Queen, for being on with us uh, this morning. How are you doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning, and thank you for having me on today. And I'm doing great this Saturday, Juneteenth morning. Celebration, Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, absolutely. (laughs) It is Juneteenth. And to our surprise, we are now celebrating, I guess, a national holiday, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. uh, That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Somehow we wasn't even asking for it, but we got a little bit to bone the nibble on, if you will, right? So, um, so you know, this is something. You know, this is nothing new for us. This is very much our tradition or whatever. So, I guess having it recognized as a national figure, as you say, a, a, some some kibbles and bits over here. But, um, but yeah, we didn't need that to keep celebrating what we already been celebrating. So, um, again, but thank you so much for being on with us, um, this morning, Queen. Um, before we get into this morning's uh, discussion question, if you will, um, tell my truth seekers out there listening a little bit about who you are and obviously reference um, anything that relates to this morning's discussion question, which we'll let the cat out the bag on that um, here after you give a little bit of your background. But thank you for being with us, Queen. Well, again, well, thank you again, Montoya, for having me. And um, yeah, my name is Catherine Boxel, and I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, Crown Heights. Uh, born and bred to Trinidadian parents. Um, I am now residing in the DMV, Maryland area, and what brought me down here was I attended Howard University. And uh, so upon graduating, um, I stayed in the area. So for all the bison out there, HU, 
And um, and so currently, um, well, over the past 20 years, I have been working in the media radio industry as a research consultant for radio stations across the United States. Um, I also happen to be a host and producer of a show on DC's WPFWFM called Inside Out LGBT Radio Show. And, um, and yeah, and, and I also have a LLC called Be Do Love. Uh, it coincides with the blog that I have where my purpose is to inspire people to breathe and live outside of their boxes uh, where I blog and um, curate events. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a nutshell. I want to give a shout-out today um, to my father, Enric Boxo, who I was caregiver uh, for for uh, the past uh, year and a half, and he passed away Christmas Day last year, but his birthday was this Wednesday. So happy birthday, Pop, and happy Father's Day, and happy Father's Day to all of the fathers, whether by blood or not, coming up this weekend. No, absolutely. Um, definitely happy Father's Day to all the, the fathers out there um, that cannot be recognized enough. Um, I, too, um, lost my father two days before um, Christmas, so absolutely understand um, those sentiments we, we, we right uh, with there, you. Right? Yeah, yeah, so we there together. So, yeah, my first Father's Day, in a sense, without my father, in a sense. And so, um, you know, definitely say they're still with us, if you will. Um, you know, but, you know, with that said, absolutely. Um, Again, happy Father's Day. I'm also um, proud to announce um, our very special guest for this morning. Uh, I know he's had some things tied up, but he's making it happen. Um, Coach Larry Scott is now with us, so let's get that brother introduced before we again let the topic bag on the exact discussion question. Again, I go by the name of Socrates, and um, we actually do our shows in the form of a question. But before we do that, let's absolutely introduce our star of the show this morning, Larry Scott. Thank you, Coach, uh, for being with us. If you will, say hello to the truth seekers out there. I don't know if you caught that um, I have your um, the leader of your band alumni, Captain Boxer, along with us this morning. So kind of a surprise special co-host with me this morning. Hello, Coach Scott. I got you on the air. I don't know if you're talking. Yeah, I, I can hear you kind of in and out there, kind of in and out to hear. Come, hear oh, okay, it's going in and out for you? Okay. I'm, yeah. Okay, maybe we might have yeah. to have you call back in. I know I know you're on phone, so sometimes you may have a bad connection if you're not able to hear me. Okay. Yeah, well, are you coming through clear? So, yeah, if you will, go ahead and introduce yourself, you know, share whatever you would like to do. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited about being on. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Head Coach Howard. Larry Scott, head coach at Howard University, man, and, and, and excited to, to be here, be in the DMV, be in the D.C. area, and be at Howard University, and excited about being on the show today. Hey, thanks again, King, for being on with us. And, again, just to let you know, you have fellow Bison, uh, well, not to say fellow Bison, but Catherine Boxel, she's on with <laughs> us as well as our co-host. So, well, he's, he's an honorary now since, you know, he's, he's in the fold. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, 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 
And welcome, Coach Scott. You know, we, we didn't have a, a, a full season last year, but um, one thing I didn't mention is that I am the coordinator for the alumni band at Howard University. So on behalf of the alumni band, we officially welcome you as we go into this new post sort of kind of pandemic season that we are looking forward to very much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it as well. Absolutely. We're glad to have both of you on for this morning's discussion. Quick shout out to Truly, fellow vice Ladetra White. She was the one that was basically pretty much pulled off, pulled the strings for me to actually have both of you on. So I definitely have to shout that queen out. She's definitely been a guest of the show several times. So I wanted to highlight um, Ladetra White as well. We'll get into this morning's discussion question. Let's go ahead and kind of open it up, and we're gonna go to a quick break after I get, get this out, and then we'll get into this morning's discussion. But this morning's discussion question: Can former NFL players? Coaching at HBCUs returns them to glory. Let me say it one more time. Fail players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory. So if y'all will, I just want to hear your initial, when you hear that question, Catherine McGinnis, you being the queen and our special guest co-host, we'll start with you. When you hear that question, just give me just the initial thoughts. We've got to go to breaks. So we're not going to go too deep. We'll go deep after the break. But when you first heard that question, what was the first thought that came to your mind? The first thought that came to my mind was having a strong support system. That that was my first thought in terms of having someone who understands and recognizes what we all are going through in terms of um, our black experience. I love it. Coach Scott, same thing for you. Again, we're about to go to a quick break. So just one quick thought. Uh, when I re- you know, reached out through you through some of your coaches to say, hey, we'd love to bring you on. Here's a topic of discussion. When you saw that topic, what was just your first initial thought? Uh, I would very much uh, agree with what was just said. It's just the, the whole idea of making sure you have the right people in place and support systems in place. Um, you know, and, and when we can talk about, you know, even deeper when you get into it, it's just like, glory days, how do we define that? What does that mean? What does that look like uh, in the terms of success in today's, in today's environment? Uh, what does no, that absolutely. look like? And what is it that we're truly, truly, truly after when we say glory days? No, I love it. Great great, great thought. All right, we're going to go again to a quick break. We'll be right back. Um, just so y'all know, the breaks are live, so just keep that in mind. If you have to do something in the background, just mute yourselves. Um, but we will be back, and we will open up the phone lines a little later to let Others get in on this morning's discussion question. Can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group, focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Also, this week we found out that Deion Sanders is going back to coach, be a head coach at the HBCU Jackson State. Yeah. How do you think Ty, how do you think Coach Prime's gonna do? Because you and I both know him on a different level, and we know he always wanted to coach. That was always his passion. 
to help help these uh, uh, kids become better people, better men, and in the process, help you get to the next level, whatever that next level may be. That's always been his passion. That's beautiful, that prime is at the HBCU, because now we can start sending kids there with a real purpose, because a lot of times it's unattractive because they try to make it look unattractive. But when you got somebody like Dion, who's prestigious, smart, sharp, understands football, now the HBCUs look attractive again. And now they look like that's what we need to be, because if y'all know or not, in the beginning, that's all we had was the HBCU. That's what the NFL came and built. They lead off of. They came and founded their league out of the HBCU because that's where all that talent was. Mm-hmm. And to those other universities start stealing our kids, taking our fame, and stripping us down and throwing us to the curb when it go bad. So the HBCU is the best thing growing. I'm totally behind that. I'm totally with that. Dion is a friend of mine. My family is from Mississippi, so I'm going to be going out there working with him, you know, helping him get that thing moving and grooving. Um, I think it's a great look. Just because he's so into those kids. He loves mm-hmm. kids. You know anything about Deion Sanders? He loves them babies. Them babies mean the world. He does. He loves the kids. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Catherine Boxfield. This morning's discussion question, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Our special guest is head coach, head, head football coach, Howard University, Larry Scott, as we hear a cut uh, from Dennis Sharp, as well as Snoop on his show, Shay Shay, um, Club Shay Shay, I think is what he calls it. Uh, so we hear a cut of them talking about um, initially when, you know, if you will, Deion Sanders getting hired on at Jackson State. And part of the reason we're having this discussion because they brought that type of notoriety to, in a sense, start paying attention. So um, Coach Scott is our special guest when you hear, uh, you know, those thoughts coming from Sharp and, and Snoop, if you will. Um, what comes to mind? I know you want to go into some things um, prior to the break. So if you will, go ahead, King, and, and, and you know, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts on, on that, if you will? I think I think what you picked up was the rhetoric of true uh, true passion. You know, those people, those guys, obviously knows Dion on a, a personal level and know the man that he is first. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, it comes from the heart and it's passion driven, uh, and it's and it's and it's based on you know why you do what you do, not for what you know other in, you know unintrinsic kind of uh, motivational things. Uh, I, I think you you find you know true passion in, in Dion. That we all know how passionate Dion is about. Uh, in him, you know himself as a player, and, and not even just as a player, but when he was a TV personality, and uh, and then you know just his, his true, genuine uh, love and care for young people. Uh, and I think as long as it, you know whatever you're doing comes from that place, um, it, it, you know it, it always has a chance to, to be successful, especially um, in, in the realm of team development and, and in a football locker room and in an academic environment where you're pushing uh, young people to go be uh, the better versions of themselves each and every day. So. Um, I, I think it's I think it's great, and I think as long as you know, for all of us as coaches, uh, whether we uh, have a, the background that Dion has or, or not, um, if we truly are, are passionate about what we do and our why is always out in front of uh, what we're doing, um, you know, you, you're going to have a chance to to impact young people's lives. That absolutely makes sense, Catherine. Your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, I, I think I think um, Coach. Scott hit it right there when he said make them better versions of themselves, Um, you know, because you're having students, young people who are coming into their young adulthood but still very much 
children in some regards who require who require some uh, leadership, mentorship, nurturing, love. Um, you know everything that goes into really what goes into parenting, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. And so you you really require someone there who understands that the, how important that role is um, in order to be supporting our our young black men, um, and not just for coaching purposes, but for um, for supporting them with their their mental and emotional and even perhaps um, spiritual um, development, um, because we also know in in in, in some some households um, a lot of that may not be present for for various reasons. No, those are excellent thoughts. What I picked up out of that cut. I um, just wanted to kind of get into it. I think it's perfect to what Coach Scott talked about, the idea of, you know, in a sense, what glory looks like today, if you will. Uh, but I, ha- I love how Snoop uh, just referenced to a degree the NFL, in a sense, made his name off of being able to, in a sense, siphon uh, some of the former NFL greats that came from my HBCUs, Jerry Rice's, the Walter Paytons of the world, uh, you know, plenty of people that end up, starring in the league and really shoring it up and making it what it is. So I agree with Snoop that, in a sense, um, the NFL specifically um, (laughs) relied on the HBCUs more than, in a sense, they're given credit for. I think in today's time, people kind of look back on, quote, unquote, those glory days to say the HBCU, in a sense, they look at it as, yeah, they used to put people in the NFL, but not realizing how the HBCUs actually propped up the NFL, if you will. So, um, let's, you know, to do, don't take a historical perspective. Let's take a step back, if you will, Coach Scott. Um, but what are your thoughts in reference to the HBCUs actually, um, in a sense, lifting up the, the, in a sense, the pro leagues, if you will? What are your thoughts on that? Um, and you, you go back, you just hit, you hit the names, Jerry Weiss, you know, the Walter Paytons. Um, you know, of the world. And, and those are just some of the big key names um, mm-hmm. that we all know that became Hall of Famers. There's so many, many, many more um, that have come from the HBCU leagues and, and, and gone into the NFL and started the NFL and, uh, and you know, had, you know, tremendous careers uh, in the National Football League. Shoot, I, I happen to have one that, you know, I'll talk to regularly that's an alumni, Antoine Bethea, you know, from Howard University, you know, same same type of deal. So it, it, it's something that um, obviously – um, we know where talent and having the talent to perform and play at the, in those leagues uh, lie. And then there's a lot of young people that are still in this sector and, and you know, in, in, in the HBCU leagues that have the ability and the, the talent and, and all those types of things to play in the league, but don't have the exposure necessarily. So um, I, I think right now when you have names like uh, going back to the initial uh, question, like Deion Sanders and, and the Eddie Georges, uh, they, they happen to have a platform uh, because of who they are and what they've done, and now they're bringing back the expo- bringing some exposure and, uh, back to putting cameras and finding this talent again. Uh, it, it's there. It's led to the NFL uh, striking up deals within uh, filming systems to be able to get into now and, and do weekly evaluations and evaluate our games just like they do for teams in the in the SEC and PWIs and, and the ACC and those type of things. So opening up that, that access. Uh, and opening up that exposure uh, is going to, I think, slowly, you know, not slowly, I hope, you know, hopefully it goes into overdrive now 
right. bring back the exposure and, and open up those opportunities for these young people uh, to to be uh, to to play in the National Football League again in, in, in high numbers, just not one, two, or three a year, uh, but you know, uh, multiple. Now I love it. I love to hear you know, in a sense, you've been able to kind of give insight on what's actually starting to work and happening, happening because of, in a sense, as you say, these former players returning and putting the eyes, um, you know, not on just their universities, but the HBCUs in general. Um, Catherine, if you will, uh, just want to dig back again. I think this is a perspective that even our community as a culture needs to realize and not just look at, you know, in a sense, these HBCU athletes of the past as, oh, they used to put people in the NFL. But again, I'm loving highlighting what Snoop pointed out in a sense that we literally prop up those leagues, if you will. And so um, I think that's just something that even we, in a sense, as a community should remember. And and, and, and I would hope incentivize us to, to really have respect not only for that history, but what role it still can play, um, not only on the athletic side, and we'll get into, you know, how af- athletics, in a sense, helps out colleges. Sometimes people don't understand that relationship. Um, but again, just wanting to point out, you know, just even our own community recognizing exactly what our HBCU did for, you know, in a sense for these leagues, and it's almost blasphemous that there are only one or two or zero this past year that are being drafted, considering that in a sense, I would offer that those leagues might not be um, as prosperous as, as they are if they didn't have the history of being able to select those HBCU athletes, if you will. So any thoughts on that, Queen? Yeah, you know, there's two things that I think of, and and, and Coach um, Scott Border, one of them is that, sure, there, you know, we hear about the Jerry Rices and the more prominent players, but, you know, you know, I can think of two Howard players, Jimmy Johnson and, as Coach Scott mentioned, Antoine Bethea, who, you know, went on to the NFL and did very well. Um, but the one thing that it does happen when you do bring in, you know, the Deion Sanders of the world or whatever is it does bring shine a, a brighter light on to the, the HBCUs and their leagues um, that, we, you know, we didn't have before. You know, when when the news came out about, you know, Deion Sanders, you know, it was mixed emotions. Some people was like, yay, and some people was like, ah, oh, they just, you know, whatever. And so, but, you know, there's always a silver lining. There's always a way to look at it as a positive. Um, you know, my, my concern is what, you know, I mentioned before, it's just as long as they're coming in with good faith and, and being able to create that safe space um, for our young men. And, but it also opens a lot of doors. Let's face it. You know, you bring in someone like that, that person has access to other people, other celebrities, other prominent people who can perhaps support in bringing in funding, you know, um, getting better sponsors, uh, you know, better donations, whatever that may be, um, you know, let's face it, at the end of the day, universities are businesses and, and, and they want to bring in as much money as they can bring in to support the school. And so, um, so it can definitely be a positive uh, thing when you look at it in that way. No, I definitely would agree with that. And, you know, and sometimes people get lost on that, as you said, a university is a business and it plays a huge role in, um, you know, unfortunately how, 
universities are looked at, and, and particularly HBCUs. So definitely um, can see again how that light being shined, uh, you know, in a sense from these athletes that already have a platform, how it can be helpful. Uh, but I would love to highlight, as you said, your concern is again, is it being done in good faith? I think that's you know unquestionable with um, um, Dion, although. You know, some people might not realize that he just really who he is, if you will. Um, so I think that mm-hmm. comes with the territory, which is a beautiful thing in reference to him. You know, as we heard, um, you know, um, Shannon and Snoop say he loves those babies. So that's obviously, and that's what you yeah. know, Coach Scott pointed out as well, that that's the number one thing. You know, but speaking of safe spaces, you know, ultimately that is, that's what has always been the strength of HBCUs, whether we're in athletics or not. That's always been the strength and the selling point. So Scott, Coach Scott, if I, you know, in a sense, would go with go go back to you. Is just you know, what is that dialogue? I, obviously, you kind of getting settled into position in a very unique year with everything with the pandemic, not having a full season. Um, but I'm pretty sure that is the selling point because we all understand that college football is absolutely big business and we hear the horror stories of kids in a sense being thrown away and that's something that I think is an accredit to the HBCUs that's typically not what's going to happen if a parent is out there considering you know or having concerns with that that's one concern that the HBCUs don't have to concern them with because that's one of their competitive advantages any thoughts on that coach Scott Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think at the, at the end of the day, um, I tell parents all the time through the recruiting process, you know, it, it's, my, it's my job, it's our job, it's our coach's job uh, to help you put your head down on the pillow at night, every night, uh, and know that he's in, in good hands and know that your son's in a, in, a, in a space and in a place where he can truly develop into the young man that, you, that you've raised uh, and that we're just an extension um, of you uh, and how you raise them, and, and it's up to us to continue that during this pivotal and critical four- to five-year stretch in a young person's life because those years uh, absolutely set the chart uh, and, part, and chart the path for where, you know, for where life goes from here on out for the next 40 years. Uh, so I'll absolutely, and, and I think, that, you know, in that space, um, we, we, you talk about a facet of different, an array of different things, uh, and, and, and it all revolves around development, you know, develop, 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 teach, mentor, Discipline, um, do all of the do all the things that during those, those those critical years that are going to take and propel a young man forward, and you do it in a in a very nurturing, um, you know, environment where whether that's through tough love at times and, and, and the discipline and accountability that comes with that, uh, or, or being able to just put your arm around a young man sometimes and, and love on him uh, the, the way that you you know the way that you're supposed to, um, and, you know, athletically, academically, you know, socially, financially, whatever it is that it, that it is. Um, you know, I tell our staff all the time, our job is to, and you know, how are we going to beat people and, and, and make people, you know, help these young men be successful and us be successful as a program is we're going to outdevelop. We're 100% going to make everything that we do uh, about, you know, being developing these young people holistically. Uh, and then that's going to be the, that's what, that's going to be the secret in the sauce as to why we win. Uh, we never lose in our program. We talk about it. We don't use the word lose. We learn. Um, from every from everything that we happens to us, whether good or bad, there's something to learn from it so that we can continue to grow. Uh, so you, you're absolutely right. It's about that space, that space that comes through true development and mentorship uh, to, as you build um, people and build young men in, in our program. So absolutely, I totally agree with that. 
Love it. I love that thought of outdeveloped. That's cold right there. I definitely respect that as, as being a tenant of what y'all do and, and specifically to your program. So definitely respect that. Um, Captain, if you will, um, you know, let's be honest about, in a sense, some of the stigmas that are in our own community at this point. Um, again, just throwing out that concept of glory and thinking of past glory. Um, but again, just talking about, you know, as we hear Coach Scott literally highlight um, again, what his competitive advantage is of how he's going to be able to take care of those students. Is, is there's a part of our community that says, "Hey, the HBCUs, you know, that's what they are, that's what their strength is." Um, but you know, the reality around the country is, you know, there are a lot of HBCUs in a sense um, losing some of, you know, their enrollment, if you will. And I think a lot of that is associated with, you know, in a sense, some of the stigmas. Uh, about our HBCU. So, again, we do this show um, highlighting the athletics, hoping to ultimately highlight the HBCUs themselves. But any thoughts uh, or, you know, any stigmas that come to mind that people are still maybe missing the boat on what the competitive advantages of even just attending the HBCU in general, not just through athletics? You know, the the, the biggest stigma out there is that it's it's not a, a higher education. It doesn't provide the same type of education and resources as a PWI, um, which, which is so false. And, and let's face it, you know, with, with anything or any business, there's going to be some businesses that do it very, very well and some businesses that, you know, might be struggling. And that would, could be the same case with HBCUs. Um, but, you know, I've heard many a days where, where people have been like, Oh, I don't want to. I don't want my child to go to an HBCU. I want him to go to a PWI because, I, you know, because he they need to be around, you know, um, others, you know, white people, <laughs> others. They need to be around white people and learn, you know, and and be able to connect and engage. And sure, that that provides his advantages. But let me tell you something. My experience at Howard. Um, prepared me so well to to go out and to interact with any and anybody that I come across with. And not only to be able to interact with, but to understand my role as I go into, you know, coming out mm-hmm. of college and going and working in companies where I was the only black person in in the company or in the department and understanding my role in terms of how I need to present myself, how I need to act in order to keep that door open for others to follow me. And so, which is huge, which is so important in terms of just knowing what your responsibility is. But again, you know, my, my Howard experience prepared me so well on how to, and I didn't have to be, you know, around I get it. A, a huge culture. No, I love um, it. We're actually that. against the break. No, we're actually up against the break, but I love that the example you just gave and people don't realize that, like you said, being in one of those rooms where you were the only black, they would might think, as, as you said, just because of the stigmas that you would be less prepared. But the reason you're more prepared is because you're so assured of yourself, which is, a, you know, mm-hmm. which is the number one thing that you need in that mm-hmm. environment versus someone going to a PWI, still trying to figure out how to acquiesce and figure it out. And I don't say this, and I don't say that. The one thing about ACC exactly. grad, they never fear that moment. They right. never fear that moment. They never fear that moment. Exactly. But we are up against the break, so let's run to this break. And um, we're going to, you know, obviously take it right back to this question. 
glory. For anybody out there listening, we are going to open up the phone lines. The number is 646-787-1691, 646-787-1691. Press 1 to let us know that you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. You even tweeted that this year 200 or 256 players were drafted and not, not one. one from HBCU. Right. I don't like I don't like that stat. I'm changing all that. But I understand that stat, Prime, because y'all cannot compete with the teams that have so much resources. Those Power Five, Prime, yeah. you you cannot compete with the Power Five. So how do you compete with them? You bring in a you bring in a conduit for change. You bring in a conduit for change. Everything starts with the mind first. Let's attack the mind and understand how can we level the playing field. First of all, I don't want to level nothing. I want to have the advantage. Mm. I want to have the advantage. Now, you mean to tell me that uh, this brother here coming out of the heart of Miami is better suited to go somewhere like that than come to me? Yes. When I speak his language, when I know his voice, when I know his needs and I know his wants, and I set right where he set. How is that? So now you're into the glamour. So if you're into the glamour and the glitz, I want you to go over there where you want to go. But if you're into the real... If you're into the genuine, if you're into let's build this thing and let's get up out of this mess and never look back, hey, you need to ride with me. You go to Florida, you go to Florida State, you go to Florida. Man, this is a one-way ticket to the NFL. It seems as though. But it wasn't a one-way ticket until we made it that way. Mm-hmm. Florida wasn't birthing people left and right to them cats start rolling through there like that. They made the way. Mm. Florida State, shoot, we wasn't a program like it is. The prime got there. You know, all these other kids, the U.M. one like that and to Mel B and all of them got there. So it took a group of us to provoke change. Why can't we be the change for us? Yeah. Now, I agree with you on the aspect that the glitz and the glamour. That's cool. Now, if I, could, if I had all that, now there's a competitive advantage. Now we're saying, okay, now apples to apples, I'm going to go with my brother. But it's not like that. I got to get it like that. Success is oftentimes, as a coach, quantified by wins and losses. It's not that for me because I'm a winner, so I can't quantify by that because I'm not just looking at Jackson for me. I'm going to take care of that. We're going to win. I'm a big picture type guy. I'm looking at the whole HBCU. How can I get us on national television every darn week? I guarantee you enrollment should be up, not just at Jackson, all HBCUs, uh, the exposure, the NFL calls for these kids. Everything we've already, Pepsi deal, we've uh, got uh, shoe contracts, we've got everything that hadn't been done yet. So I look at it as a global thing, not global. I look at it as a national thing. But what he just said, though, Chan, think about it. He just said, now you got Hampton, you got Howard, you got FAMU, you got BCC on ESPN, not ESPN 15, because one man... Went out there and said, I'll, I'll be the first. So now we're talking about expansion leads to exposure. Like, it's going to change. Like, that's the mindset. It's like, now you, what happened? Eddie George goes and says, you know what, I'm going to go. Tennessee State. Yeah. yeah, Tennessee. Hugh Jackson goes and says, I'm going to go. Right. It's changing. It's changing. So now, like, that's, it's, it's we just got to support it. That's how I feel. You know? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Catherine Boxfield. This morning's discussion question, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return, to, to, return them to glory? Our special guest is coach, head coach Larry Scott, Howard U. 
as we hear another cut from Dion being on I Am Athlete, uh, a very poignant cut from that, 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 uh, that actual show, just pointing out the long-term perspective, which is what I love when I hear Dion kind of break down how he looks at winning, um, similar to, as you said, Coach Scott, um, you don't use the word lose. And so when I hear him point out the long-term goal, um, I really appreciate it, not only for the HBCUs, but it's something we can learn quite often with a lot of our problems in our community. I don't think we take long-term approaches, so I really appreciate that about uh, what Dion had to say in particular, um, you know, to the HBCU athletes. Uh, but Coach Scott, any thoughts on, you know, hearing late Dion, if you will, lay out on um, the long-term goal and how he hopes to affect change at all the HBCUs. Oh, man, that, 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 that's deep. And I, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> again, intrinsic motivation, you know, what intrinsically is motivating you to be where, you, where your feet are, okay? And, and, and that's, and, you know, we all come into a, a place in life. I mean, I, I went to a PWI. Uh, I've coached at the, you know, the University of South Florida. I've coached in those programs he talked about, the University of Miami. was the interim head coach at the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. for half a season and went to a bowl game, was the offensive coordinator, the first black coordinator in Tennessee football's history in 120 years, uh, and was at the University of Florida when this job came calling. Uh, and so my intrinsic motivation was something totally different than most. Uh, I could have stayed exactly where I, was, right where I was. As soon as I took the job here, six months into taking the job, I get a call from Nick Saban in the University of mm-hmm. Alabama about joining the staff at Alabama. Uh, but at the same time, the same reasons why I left the University of Florida to take on this opportunity, the same reasons why I turned down the University of Alabama to stay at Howard University. Your intrinsic motivation and long-term goal of building something. Uh, I, my grandmother used to say to me all the time, there's two types of people in this world, those that watch things happen and those that make things happen. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what I, you know, I'm, I'm all, about, all about, and that's the recruiting pitch. Hey, we're coming here. Yeah, sure, we don't have the – you know, the 30,000, uh, 35 or 40,000 seat stadium, but we're going to build one. You know, of course we don't have all the glitz and glamour in the locker rooms and all those type of things, but that's what we're here to do. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of something really, really special that you look back on and create a legacy for yourself, um, and, you know, as a, as, a, as a human being, as a person, and not just use the ability that God give, gave you uh, for the benefit of what? For the benefit of who? Uh, where if you have uh, you know a, a deeper reasoning and uh, an and intrinsic motivation uh, to you know to be an impactor, to be a person that wants to build something special, and I think these are the opportunities that are presented to us here uh, at HBCUs. In particularly, I'm talking about my HBCU now is, is Howard, and honorary or not, I've made it mine, um, and I, I want you know and, and want to and want to continue to help build it and continue to build the infrastructure, and we got let's you know to build and grow. We got to start to build from the inside out um, as well. We got to continue to, to to build the infrastructure to allow more students to have more beds on campus, to do all of those type of things, to continue to grow the brand and and, and, and grow uh, the university for enrollment and all of those type of things. So, uh, absolutely, I 100% uh, agree with him. It just makes you smile uh, because there are still people uh, in this world that are that have been placed in this in this world to impact and bring upon change and move the needle, so to speak. In uh, and, and, you know, and just and have a different approach and, and way of doing things, and and, and that's me through and through. Uh, and so it's really exciting. Now, 100%. You know, again, agree with what Dion's saying, and, and it's long term uh, because we think so. We got to we, we got to build it. Hey, love, um, Catherine. Your thoughts? Let's go to a caller. Yeah, you know, I I agree with the when when one wins, we all win. Um, 
it, it, again, it just is able to shine a light on our universities that we are so deserving of. Um, you know, Howard is, is, is been getting a lot of shine and a lot of light over the past couple of years. And, you know, and we've been benefiting greatly from that. And, and you know, and some, you know, we've had the, the haters out there. And some of the haters have been at other HBCUs that have been like, ah, uh, they're getting, you know, have something to say. But it's like realizing that, you know, we can all win in this. And it's just about the other universities being able to take advantage of these situations and also figuring out how they can leverage them. It's, it's like, you know, jump on it. We, we see it. Let, let's see, let's, you know, let us reach out to Google or, you know, or these other corporations that are providing um, grants and programs and, and whatnot. And so I definitely think that, it you know, once, once one wins, there's always the potential for the others to win. And I certainly, you know, welcome it. Um, I welcome it. Uh, makes a lot of sense. I mean, Coach Scott already gave us just a, a personal example within the program, um, just having the evaluators there um, on a consistent basis as a result of, as you know, him being willing to big up Dion over at Jackson State. He's reaping a, a, a benefit. And so that's exactly what you're talking about. Like, they don't need to be hating on the Mecca out there, right? There was, you know, I do my homework. You know, don't, don't be hating on the Mecca. Don't hate on the don't Mecca. Don't hate on the Mecca. Yeah, be a, don't hate on the Mecca. Don't hate on the Mecca. You know, we've been working hard through the years. And, and, and if I can add one other thing is that, yeah, you know, I thank, I thank Coach Scott because he could have took advantage of going to place that, you know, who knows, that was playing him maybe twice, triple. Big you know, I don't know what, what, what Howard was, was paying him. And so, you know, we appreciate that, but that's that's what we need. And I think that's over the past, you know, couple of years because of our political situation, um, because of Black Lives Matter, you know, um, folks are opening their eyes and, and really starting to consider um, their heart, their heart string, um, more so than their money financial string in terms of, you know, where they can make an impact. Um, you know, you're even seeing these big ball players, basketball players, football players who could go to these big schools who are now pivoting and coming to HBCUs now because they're, they're seeing it and they're feeling it and, and, they're, and they're understanding what's going on out there in the world, but they're also understanding their value um, and, and, and what feels good to them and, and where they, they would be better, um, better fit to go. Yeah, absolutely. When you start getting that long-term outlook and, like you said, that value, uh, which is a part of long-term, that's where you see people make those type of decisions. Area code three one four last three nine five three. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Good discussion, Antonio. How you doing this morning? Hey, brother P. How you doing, King? Out of St. Louis. Appreciate you. What you got for us, King? I would say Happy Father's Day to you, but you ain't jumped the broom. I gotta hey, get but, you uh, to the wedding invite first. I gotta get the wedding invite to you first, brother. Let's get out. We'll get a child look. running around here. <laughs> but go ahead, King. Thanks for calling. In. Now, I'm not hating on anything, but let's face the reality. 
colleges is where you your your first thing is academics. Now, if you can get into college through athletics, that's good too. But the first thing in college is athletics. I mean, academics. And the the problem that starts is starting at your elementary level. I give you an example. Everybody remember East St. Louis. East St. Louis has a Nash had a national recognized high school football team under Coach Shannon. That doesn't exist anymore. And if you look at the math proficiency in East St. Louis High School, it's less than 5%. Reading, less than 13%. That's where the problem starts because when those kids reach college, they have to go through all this nurturing and so on and so on and so on. That should have been done at the elementary level. Because you go to college, you're sitting up there in a classroom, you may have adults that's coming out of the business world. Another point, the thing that Dion made comments about, the same thing that they made comments about at Gremlin, is the resources, the equipment, the equipment room. Now, if an alumni or if people are concerned, is concerned about that thing, then they got to contribute in order to build those things up. If you got a black research professor that's carrying ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five million dollars worth of grant money following them, coming from some industry, it's very unlikely they're gonna to go to HCBU. They're going to TWI. I mean, we just got to face it. And if you're going to face it, then you have to up what's needed in order to make these these institutions attractive. I take my head off what Dion is trying to do over at Jackson State and the, the young man that's on here with you. But it's going to take more than that. LSU has got over 35,000 students. My grandson went there. If you take football, basketball, and track, you're talking about maybe 200, 225 students. Well, what's up with the rest of them? They're there for the academics. And that's, the, I mean, that's just the way it is. But uh, that's all I want to say. Uh, thank you for the tough thoughts. We're actually up against the break, so we will hear the responses of our guests and myself um, come out of the break. But, Brother Pianti, you can get back in if you like. Thank you for the call. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Uh, ain't nobody, ain't nobody for HBCUs get drafted. Yeah, that jumped out to me. What you mean, anything I'm, jump out to me? I'm, yeah, that jumped. I'm, that bungee jumped. I was that did the nay-nay and I the was, dougie. Was, and, the same, and the cabbage patch. I was and the rock. That. Y'all don't remember the rock. 
<laughs> you know when you just rock, you just walk right there. You know when Max Jack said, "I want to rock with you oh, all okay. night." Okay, I didn't know if that was the whispers. No, that wasn't the whispers. Could have been. That, that, that's could have been them good. too. But all that jumped out at but, me. But just, I, how does that happen? I, well, I, I think I know how it happens. And I'm, can I give an excuse? No, I want you to keep it one hundred because I'm I keep it one hundred because. I could defend and I could no, go I'm at. Gonna, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep it 100. Keep it 100. I th- I don't think sugarcoat it now because I'm here. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Co- go. I want you to be the advocate. Okay. Uh, for the opposing side. Okay. Just build a case. Oh, build a case for the other side. Yeah. Well, Dion. Uh, what no, happened? you don't have to do the voice. Okay. Just okay. build a case for the other side. The other side simply that we had to limit our resources because of COVID. We had to be more strategic in our decision making on exactly who we put out in the field, what tape we got, what tape we paid attention to for whatever reason. Uh, I don't buy much of that. but but And so, therefore, we decided the low-hanging fruit would be to yeah, This ain't the first year, though. This ain't the first year. Hey man, come on. But you asked me to come over here. All I'm saying is, is, is it almost seems to the naked eye mm-hmm. impossible to say there is not one player that's worthy yeah. Of a draft choice. That's hard for me to fathom. When I coached against them, mm-hmm. this ain't hearsay, dog. Right. I was there. I right. seen corners, I, linemen, defensive end, offensive line. Fat little defensive tackles. Why you got to be fat? They were a little bit. Why you call it? Why they you got to be had fat? Little, they had little, they so what, then, then they, they, they going to say they that's why fire. they ain't drafted, because they was built wrong. You said it was built wrong because if you can play, you can you play. Said, I saw the dudes making tackles. You said saw, fat They were fat, yeah. Most, you know, porch up, they're fat. Well, I saw some young men yeah, move around, that can move. really play the game right. at that level. And I know that level. Right. right. So this cannot happen again. What do they need to do? Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Catherine Boxill. Uh, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Our special guest is head football coach, Howard University, Mary Scott. Thank you both, King and Queen, for being on with us um, this morning. Um, before we dig into the cut, um, you know, specifically talking about, you know, no NFL players being drafted, I think, again, Dion points out some amazing things. But before we get in there, let's deal with some of what we heard um, Brother Pianchi um, say before the break. I uh, wanted to get, you know, both of your thoughts on some of what you heard. Catherine, I'll actually start with you. Um, anything that, um, you know, Brother Pianchi called, called in to kind of just express his, and that's what we do here is honest dialogue. Um, you, don't, you know, we don't do, you have to agree <laughs> with us or nothing like that. We like to have honest dialogue and not sugarcoat it. Yeah. mentioned in that clip. Um, but any thoughts on uh, what, to what uh, Brother Pianchi um, said in reference, you know, his thoughts on this, uh, this morning's question? Oh, my goodness, you have to say the honest dialogue, right? Because what he was talking about is just uh, it's a whole nother uh, <laughs> deep breath um, conversation. Um, and he, he is certainly right in terms of resources and what that means. Um, pausing because I'm like, okay, honest dialogue. Don't pause. We are you, you, we, we you not know, that show. And, we're and, not that show. Can, we're not can, that show. Do it, can, just say no, it. No, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> but just speaking of Howard, and, and I love my alma mater, and I love my uh, people that have come through Howard University. But we do have a uh, shortage of folks who give back. And, and my frustration because of, of I, I, I've been around 
since I got on Howard's campus, I've been around athletics because I was in the marching band, and then after that, I became the coordinator of the alumni there. So I come to the football games. I go to the basketball games. And, you know, there's people who will complain about the size of the stadium or the size of the band um, or just various um, complaints. And and it's the frustration is, is that people have to give back. Um, and understand how important your giving back is. Um, one of the things for the alumni band is because we got tired of hearing about, you know, school cutting back budget and funding for mm-hmm. the band, is that we decided to take matters into our own hands. And so through what we've been able to do is through collecting dues and, and so forth, we've been able to create a scholarship um, fun. It's not a lot, but, you know, we give a couple of thousand here and there to the band students. And then um, this, this um, the end of last year, beginning of this year, because the band is in desperate need of uniforms, they, they are like a, a pin from falling apart. Um, now, while the university said they were going to get, get uh, uniforms for the band, we understand how challenging that can be. And so we stepped up and had a fundraiser. And so we were able to raise half of what is required for uniforms, <laughs> which is a good chunk of change. Right. And so through that, it, it's like we understand our responsibility for, you know, we, you know, the people that I work with and shout out to Rasai Elliott, who is my co uh, coordinator for the alumni band is we understand the, that if it's, if it's to be, it's up to me, <laughs> you know, it's up to us and we have to step into support because we understand that the university, um, you know, always have all of the funding that is required or they might need to, you know, um, set it aside for something else, you know, whatever that, that may be that, you know, or, or it could be sometimes that the band is just not, if we're talking about honest, the band is just not that important um, to the university as it is to some other uh, folks so that, you know, we have to step up, but it's not just about the band. It's about the university as a whole and, and for, and for alumni given to increase. um, So we can consider, you know, a, a stadium or better equipment or being able to attract um, coaches such as uh, Coach Scott and, and attract, uh, you know, players to come in because it's all a domino effect, you know. Exactly, um, exactly. It's, it's all a domino effect. You know, you have to attract the players, the coaches, you know, um, to come in. But certainly, certainly, certainly from what the caller was saying is that athletics is definitely important. And, you know, how it is in a, I'm not athletics. I mean, education is very, Mm -hmm. academics is very important because, you know, um, because that, that is uh, what makes the world go round in terms of being able to better yourself and go forth and, and, and how it doesn't, doesn't uh, fortunately have an issue in that way. Um, They definitely been, been increasing their criteria in terms of SAT scores and GPAs, um, these kids are so smart, um, you know, 
uh, under these standards now, I wouldn't have got it to Howard. <laughs> I respect it. I definitely respect it. But I love how you said it goes hand in hand. If I could jump in here because I got a caller as well. Yeah. Um, but I love how it goes hand in hand. I think it's a perfect place, um, Coach Scott. Um, you know, when you say here you have that long-term approach, and that's why you, in a sense, were willing. We're going to get more into your story of just even the concept of having, in a sense, to turn down a Nick Saban, if you will. Uh, but 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 the the domino effect. Um, even with um, Brother Pianti pointed out. At LSU, that's only 200 students compared to the, all the others that go there. But the domino effect of why some of those kids choose schools, it often is because they love a team. And so that's an aspect that I'm assuming that, you know, in drawing those type of coaches, in drawing those type of players, you are expecting to have that domino effect that Dion mentioned. Like, this is not just about what he does and wins and losses on the field, but he wants to see enrollment up at HBCU. So that's the domino effect. Um, your thoughts on that before I go to the side? Oh, yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, I've I, I witnessed it at, at PWIs. It's, it's, it's the same deal. Um, you know, the cameras, the, the exposure, uh, the, the, the success uh, through athletics, athletics really drive uh, the engine behind, the univers- behind university growth. We, we used to joke all the time. Uh, you know, after a successful season or a big bowl win or something like that, there'll be a crane or two pop up uh, all of a sudden <laughs> on campus, and there's, there's some buildings going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, so it, I love it, it. It, it, but it, but it's it, but it's directly it, it, tied, it, hand in hand. It's directly yeah. tied. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah let me get this does. caller in before the break, if you don't mind, coach. Uh, uh, area code five zero two, last three two eight three. What's your name? Where you calling from? And your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, Lamar, or Montoya here. What's going on, man? This is Brent House. What's up, B-Funk? Thanks for calling in. Can you got for us? No doubt. Um, great discussion. Um, I want to first do a fact check on Brother Pianchi. He's going to call me after the show, and we're going to argue about some things and, and, and <laughs> partic- politic about it. But yeah, I, live, uh, right, I live in the community next door to East St. Louis, uh, O'Fallon, Illinois. And let me tell you, um, East St. Louis is still doing it big. They get brothers, CBC is where Zeke Elliott went to school at. They get brothers transferring from CBC in St. Louis to uh, to East St. Louis because they're still doing it. they got to travel around the country to uh, to get teams to compete with them. The, wow. the district that I was on the school board for advocated for a rule to keep East St. Louis from, uh, from uh, playing – what do you call it? Out of uh, uh, district schools, uh, not wow. so that so that they wouldn't have to compete against them. Compete the against them. Said, make, so so now, and I and I mean uh, le- they couldn't compete outside of level, so four A to to six A, mm-hmm. something like that. Gotcha. But gotcha. Uh, the the superintendent actually said, um, you know, now maybe some other people can get some championships. My homeboy who lives uh, down the street from me is Mark Chambers is a coach at the basketball school, won the uh, state championship at East St. Louis uh, in 2019. Would have won it in 2020, but the season cut short. And I, I just say that to say these are the – you know, to point out one little aspect of that, we pass in policies that are holding schools back, that are pr- producing talent, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 there's a whole history of things that go with that. But I just wanted to fact check that a little bit with uh, Pianchi. But my my question, 
part part of my question. Hey, matter of fact, we do this because we already stopped the hour, so um, you know, you've been you you a regular caller as well. So let me just do this break. You need to come out of the break, be fun, so you can ask your question. Sounds good. All right, there we go. All right, one of our favorite longtime sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. This is their artist Taylor Pace. Bringing y'all, as I always like to say, that that real R&B. So hopefully y'all enjoy this cut, and we'll be back with our special guest co-host, Catherine Boxhill, as well as our special guest, um, Coach Larry Scott. Uh, we'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. Yeah, uh, thanks for that. Um, 
you know, one of the struggles that I, I did think about when when I look at uh, black colleges, um, we also have a one of our alums from the Air Force Academy coaching at uh, Kentucky State now. That was my dream school coming out of out of high school was going to Kentucky State and and all of that. But uh, ended up going to the Air Force Academy. Um, but one of the, the things I think about now, even the the young kid I heard uh, about going to, to Howard, I think the basketball player. Um, who who was a a top you know 100 recruit I think something like that you know it was a decision of conscience and when we choose HBCUs now it's always a decision of conscience and it, versus um, the opportunities that we miss out when or that we get when we go to a PWI and I wonder how that factors into you know with and, and Snoop I think that was a cut from Snoop uh, yeah that was yeah uh, was Snoop on uh, the Chen Sharp show uh huh. And it sounds like he's kind of saying the same thing with the, you know, uh, the the legacy and what goes into being a, a generational opportunity, or, or you know, sticking to to what we know. So I wonder how much that factors into his recruiting. One of the things, um, you know, and has he also thought about uh, one of the things I liked at the Air Force Academy? We were all there on uh, uh, academic scholarships. If we didn't want to play football. We just say we walk off the field and we still get our academics. Are schools able to offer that kind of thing? And then for your other caller, the question is, how do we become more creative? Um, and she talked about, you know, grants that are out there. And those are things, challenges I see in uh, in a lot of institutions. How do we get into uh, or, or how do we be creative about bringing revenue into our schools and uh, she kind of touched on it. I, I wanted she could expand on it, you know, going out to these companies and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, seeing what kind of and, and putting the let the the uh, on, onus on them to uh, start investing in our schools. Now, I like both of those questions. I'm gonna start with Coach Scott on the first question, just in reference to I think if I understood your question, um, Brent was um, Coach Scott, if you will answer this. He's just talking about you know in a sense how much are you using some of the things that we heard Snoop say um, in your these students about you know these our HBCUs obviously for you in particular Howard being an opportunity, um, but yeah, what what are you using in a sense um, to do that if you will, Coach Scott. I think the the idea and concept uh, truly we, we we always start with um, you know with family and in the environment in which you know you're going to put yourself into to to grow uh, the networking opportunities the people the range of people that you meet uh, here at Howard from L A to the, you know all over the world uh, really and the, the networks and, and different uh, relationships and things that you get to build outside of just being a football player um, I, I like to refer to it as you know coming to school at Howard. And 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 living in a world class city like Washington D.C. isn't isn't is a um, an education in itself. Uh, just just that aspect of it. Uh, so being able to to help these help these um, young people have a vision for what they want to uh, do in life and and how this experience can help shape the rest of their life. Uh, just outside of football, and a lot of times I don't even mention football. Uh, we're, we're talking about life building and, and the the opportunities that come as a result of. Uh, of being a, a student athlete at Howard University is uh, the, it's the gift that uh, I often refer to it as a gift that just keeps on giving. Uh, I've seen guys go through you know four year, five year programs at PWIs, and uh, and and after they're done there and their time is done there, there's there's nothing for them on the other side of it. Um, you know that they can benefit from or, or stand on, 
uh, here when you're a Howard grad, uh, the, just, just the networking base, the, the alumni, the, 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 uh, the prestige that comes with putting that degree on your wall uh, at home or in your office. Uh, it is always the, the seed that opens the door to the conversations. It's the seed that opens the network opportunities uh, to continue to, to, you know, to grow financially uh, and those type of things. And they, actually it's like, you know, fine wine. The, the older it gets, the, the longer you're away from it, you know, the more enriched you become uh, because of that experience at Howard. So just kind of helping to, to shape what this experience, this four- or five-year experience can do for them way beyond just playing football and when they're done. So absolutely, I lean hard on those things uh, and, and really, really use that as an angle to, to help uh, young people have a vision for what that can look like for them later on down the line. Yeah, absolutely. Our HBCUs definitely work very hard to make sure that plaque goes on the wall and and a lot of PWIs will throw you away and won't care, you know, that you get that plaque on the wall or they sent you through a general studies program and the plaque is not worth anything in the market. Um, it's crazy. I was helping one of my um, club here you know, under the same name, but I meant to dialogue. I was helping one of my members last night and she just so happened, not because she knew I was doing this show, but she just so happened to talk about, you know, knowing, you know, been an athlete and, you know, really just kind of flailing after having, you know, spent time in a D1 program. And, you know, she was mostly distraught about, like, oh, man, the coaches make all their money and, you know, out there and whatever. So that's one thing that we definitely should highlight is, is rarely going to happen to you with the HBCU experience. Um, Catherine, if you will, to answer the second part of um, Brent's question, um, you know, just getting into, like you said, reaching out to these companies and just not even highlight this getting that Pepsi deal, um, you know, coming through. Uh, because that, um, biggest, for example, biggest of business of the NFL is or whatever, they don't care if people are in the stadiums because the money comes from the TV money. And so, um, like, like a domino effect, if we're able to get our HBCUs on TV, then we'll find out to do, um, you know, bonds for the, for the, for the band. I'll get this room. But, uh, but, yeah, any creative thoughts? How to keep expanding well, um, Catherine? Yeah, you know, um, the the one thing that I think about is is networking. Um, and you know, if it's if it's a smaller school or one that is um, not as recognized or or one that is, is is networking. If you if you see if you see another HBCU is being able to take advantage of different grants or, you know, companies' uh, sponsorships is perhaps reaching out to, you know, the coaches there or the president of the, the school there to discuss how how they did it. And perhaps, you know, that's, you know, that's what networking is about, <laughs> you know. How, how did you do it? And can you get me a meeting, <laughs> you know, with, with the person at Google that, that you deal with? Um, that's my my first thought is is networking and and one thing that you know sometimes in our community we we don't do well at um mm-hmm. because you know you don't want to ask or how do you look if if I ask or you know I don't want to be a burden or you know whatever that is people's conversations sometimes about going and speaking to people cuz they do it at those PWIs you know 
that's how they they get they take care of business. And so, you know, th- that's my first thought that that you know I can think about is 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 you know going to no, the, it makes to sense. The source yeah, yeah. I'm listening. I'm listening to you. Oh, I'm sorry, Catherine. I'm sorry. I thought you were. No, yeah, just going to okay. to the source from them that they can get you in the door to speak to the powers that be. Yeah, I, I wonder just in listening to you talk because I'm I, I went to the Air Force Academy. Um, so this is how I know um, Brent, who's on. I'm gonna let him get one last thought in. Um, but as I listen to you, yeah, my wonder is is there in a sense is there a lot of coordination between the schools because we've dealt with this conversation in a lot of realms. And, you know, we do see, you know, certain schools in a sense at certain times, you know, whether it's struggling financially, um, um, what is it, I think Morris Brown recently, which is a highlight, not in something negative, um, you know, got in a sense got their full accreditation back here recently. So that's something to highlight. Um, but I do wonder um, to what degree are all of the HBCUs working together? I'm an outsider looking in, so I don't know to what degree it happens. But it's like, you know, more of that um, better. Um, Brent, just a real quick thought. We got a couple of the callers, but I just want to ask you to ask a couple of questions. So I don't know if I. Um, go ahead, King. Any um, last thoughts before I let you go? Brent, did I get you back in? I may have. Maybe I didn't get him back in. All right. For the other callers out there, if you're trying to get in, you do need to press one um, to let us know. Um, you want to speak, so I see 504-647. If you are trying to get in on the discussion, you do need to press 1. If you're online and want to get in on this morning's discussion, 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. Again, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Um, We're about a minute and a half before the break. Um, I definitely want to get into some of your story, particularly um, Coach Scott, uh, you know, in a sense making that decision. You've kind of given us some insight on how you made that decision to remain at Howard um, with, uh, you know, Alabama in a sense come, comes knocking. Um, but, you know, just want to dialogue about, in a sense, how the coaching carousel goes to a degree. Um, I have a best friend um, who was in high school coaching for a long time, so I'm kind of familiar with some of the – if you will, some of the politics, some of the aspirations, um, but to a degree, I think it's fair to say we'll say this and then we'll go to break. But I, isn't it fair to say that to a degree, even coaches recently or in recent past, if you will, or recent history, uh, to a degree, uh, HBCU was really just kind of a stop with bigger aspirations. So I think that's why you choosing to stay was so highlighted somewhat in the media and why I wanted to bring you on. So if you could just give a quick thought, because we do have a break, and then we'll come back and get more into that story after the break. Yeah, I mean, it's real quickly, it's just, again, you know, what's your why? What, tru- what truly intrinsically motivates you uh, to do, you know, to do what it is that we do? And, it's you know, for me, it's just to, you know, it's to impact, you know, young people's lives and, and then, you know, not taking it, you know, and to take advantage of having an opportunity to do it here. Uh, with young men that look like my my children, that look like my sons, that look like me, sound like me, um, and have you know, and, and see the world and have gone through some of the walk through this world the same way that I had to at their age, and that I continue to now as 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 a man. No, I love it. I will be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think can former NFL players. Co- NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory. We'll be right back. 
Have you heard about that podcast, Mental Dialogue? It's so good, it should be illegal. But if you miss the live show every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, be sure to catch replays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other streaming platforms. We are the return of Intelligent Radio, and we are the best in the world at having hard conversations on race, sex, gender, and business in the African-American community. And remember, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go, and everywhere I be, be, I don't even talk, talk, they still go with me. Because I look like money, smell like money, talk like money, even walk like Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Blackstock. This morning's discussion question, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Our special guest co-host is Catherine Boxill, as well as special guest Larry Scott, head coach at Howard University. And again, just wanted to dig more into that decision. Um, as you said, the intrinsic value, um, you know, what it means to your children um, down the line. A lot of people couldn't have done that. And um, even the last caller highlighted the idea of in a sense, for students, attending an HBCU quite often is looked at as a, in a sense, a conscious decision in, in a sense versus an opportunity. Um, clearly, you see this as both, um, Coach Scott. So, again, I know you've kind of delved into, in a sense, your why, um, you know, if you will. Uh, but, you know, in a sense, you being an example, if you will, um, you know, what do you say to others, whether it be students or fellow coaches that uh, – that that may want to, in a sense, because I think if you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think right now there's a nice opportunity, again, relating it to this morning's discussion, where you have the Eddie Georges, the Deion Sanders, um, Ed Reed has mentioned he wants to do it, um, you know, famous linebacker um, um, Ray Lewis is saying he wants to come back and do it. So there's a real, true opportunity, not just a conscious decision, if you will, to doing what you do. I think that's a fair thing to state right now. Your thoughts on that, Coach? Yeah, there, there is. And I, and I think at the end of the day, it's just like anything else in life, if you actually just sometimes hit the brakes and really pause and, and look at it and, and look at, you know, um, the value of what it is that you're trying to, to do. I mean, how, I mean, what are you really trying to do? What does it really mean to you? Um, what do you – your time here and we're all on borrowed time obviously and then life is truly for the living uh to actually just you know pause and think about what impact do you want to make with your time here 
Um, what what do you want that legacy to look like, uh, true and true, you know, for yourself? Uh, and whatever it is that you choose to commit yourself to, what do you want that to look like when uh, when that time comes, uh, where you know it's it's all it's all done uh, and it's all over with, and then you kind of want to look back on it and be like, you know what, that body of work is something that I'm very very proud of uh, and meaningful and 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 had a lot of meaning to it, had a lot of value. Uh, and, and for me, it's, it's just to, to be able to look back and say, man, I, you know, I, I had a little bit, uh, you know, I was involved a little bit with, uh, you know, helping to make this world and, and the young men that I come and blessed to have an opportunity to come into contact with uh, better versions, you know, of themselves uh, each and every day uh, and, and through the years. Uh, so I, I think, you know, just really, you know, hey, man, take, take pump the brakes, really take a look at what it is that you're trying to do. Uh, and, and in the end, just what do you want that to look like uh, when you're done? Uh, and for me, that that was really, really important. You know, I've had a, an array of experiences and been in a, you know, a lot of big, big programs or whatever you want to want to look at it. Um, but at the end of the day, the work was still the work. Uh, coach at the high school level, I've been a child abuse investigator. Uh, I mean, I've done a little bit of it all. The work is still mm-hmm. the work. Uh, at the end of the day, no matter what level that, no matter the level that you, you, you're on or, or you coach mm-hmm. at, the work is the work. So, uh, being able to look back on that body of work and, and making it something that you're truly, truly proud of. No, I love it. I salute you for that. Let's go to some of the callers. Area code five zero four last three zero six five. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Um, God bless everybody there. Enjoying everyone's comment uh, comments. I want to congratulate Coach Scott and following the legacy of Dr. George Washington Carver. Uh, a brilliant scientist who went to Tuskegee University and had many opportunities to leave Tuskegee to work for Ford Motor Company and other uh, companies, but he decided to stay at the black institution and develop not only the institutions of Tuskegee, but he developed strong relationships with future black scientists who were students of his. And so I just really admire um, Coach Scott for taking that stance and falling in to Dr. George Washington Carver. No, I love it. Um, that's a beautiful statement. Um, again, you don't have to. But where are you calling us from? What's your name, King? But thanks for that three cents. If you have, you know, if that's what, uh, I love it. If you have more, please jump in. No, that was, that was basically. I just tuned in, so I didn't get a chance to hear everybody's comments. But I did hear. Yeah, the no problem. No, you good. No, that's, I love it. Oh, it's a perfect example, actually, when we think about all the work that, as you said, um, George Washington Carver did down at Tuskegee, and it really laid the blueprint. I think for a lot of our HBCUs, if you will, to exist as they do. So thank you for that three cents this morning. Appreciate you. All right, take care now. All right, no doubt. Area code 647-LAST-3050. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. So this is Patrick calling from Toronto. How are you? Hey, um, what's up, Patrick? When you think, still up in Toronto, when you getting back to the States, I'm messing with you. Go ahead, King. Uh, at the beginning of next year, I'll be back. I can dig it. Okay, so, cool. Um, I, I actually like sound, yeah. I like when you call in because it makes us sound like we're international. So go ahead, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, big up to coach to the coach for for yeah. for staying at the university. I, I had a comment. I wanted to get the coach's thoughts on it. So as far as um, can former can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Um, I think it probably will take a lot more than just the coaches coming back. I think the coaches are one one aspect of it. Um, the rest of it, you know, the administrators, the uh, 
athletic director, all of them have to be working in concert. People who go out and raise money for the programs, all for the, the sports programs and that kind of thing to build the facilities, to draw in the recruits that's going to be needed because the success of these programs are going to be based on wins and losses. That's just the way it is, in my view. Um, so it's going to take more than just NFL coaches coming back. The school is going to have to be committed, to, committed, and uh, they're going to have to go forward. I mean, we've seen what happened already with uh, McCurr Maker at Howard coming in. Now, whether the school was ready for that or not, I mean, I guess it's up for debate. You know, McCurr um, Maker coming in for basketball as a high recruit. Um, I think there's going to have to be a concerted effort, and the school is going to have to be 100%, whatever school, HBCU is going to have to be 100% behind the program. And, uh, yeah, it's going to take more than just coaches <laughs> for sure. And I just wanted to get the, in, in my opinion, so I wanted to get the coaches' uh, thoughts on, on that. Well, Scott? Okay, yeah, you, you know what? You're exactly right. It, it takes everybody from the top, uh, from the very, very top, uh, to the alumni base, to uh, uh, annual givers, uh, the, the president, provost, AD, uh, the uh, marketing department. It, 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 it takes, a, you're right, a very concerted effort by everyone pulling in the same direction uh, to do that. Because at the end of the day, um, I like to say it's buildings and facilities don't change programs. People change programs. Uh, and that's where it starts. And then those, those buildings and all of those things become – uh, they, they become a product of, uh, you know, a byproduct of uh, the work that's being done by the people uh, that are actually got their feet up, boots on the ground, making it happen. So uh totally agree with you 100%. It, it does take that. And then, you know, it, it takes also the mindset and idea that we're never done building. You know, how do we continue to, um, you know, add things? How do we continue to, to do things and out of the box, you know, you know, have out-of-the-box thoughts and, and things on how to continue to just get better um, each and every day, not finding complacency. Uh, is important in that as well. Uh, and, and to your point, you know, that, that those type of things are the, the infrastructure. And McCormaker, uh, you know, you know, had a chance to come in. He was at Howard, and he was being coached by Coach Blakeney, who we all know uh, his reputation and, and the places that he's been and coached and his ability to develop. Uh, so, again, once you once you get in that, that gym, whatever gym that is, uh, whether it seats, you know, one person or whether it's, you know, 10,000 people, uh, at the end of the day, the work that's being done is still being done by the coach and the player. It's still being done by the people. Now, do we have the, the, the all the other infrastructural things that it takes to develop from a nutritional standpoint and, uh, um, you know, making sure we have the right people in, 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 in place from a mental health standpoint, the science of, you know, strength and conditioning and all of those types of things, uh, That that's the infrastructure that it takes to develop at an elite level. Uh, and those are the things that we're working to on and, and adding into our program daily. Uh, that's been a commitment from, uh, you know, our president, our AD, and uh, different corporate sponsors and different things like that that have gotten involved in the program to help us uh, improve those areas uh, to be able to do that. So uh, that's a great observation, and, and you're, you're totally right. It, it takes more than just uh, an, NF, an NFL coach coming back. And I, I don't, I don't want to say this, too, and be very clear with it. There's a lot of really good football coaches uh, that didn't play in the National Football League. So it's not just about that, that tag of NFL coach that's going to change uh, and move the needle uh, for college uh, for HBCUs and college athletics. Uh, it's still about just uh, recruiting and, and retaining really good football minds and really good football people 
uh, and there are a lot more of them than guys that have to carry the NFL tag. No, yeah. I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I agree wholeheartedly, and I just used the McCurr example because I know him. My son played on yep. the team with him up here in Toronto, right? So, yep. um, yeah. And um, as far as recruiting is concerned, you know, it's very interesting. There are a lot of, I mean, and I'm sure the coach is aware, there's a lot of talent coming out of out of Canada, specifically the Toronto area, in basketball. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to those players and you talk to the parents, it's very interesting because they would love to send their child to Howard University. And these are kids that are actually going to D1 programs, but they would love right. to go to Howard University. There's just no, there's no mechanism for them to, you know, even though they try to contact Howard and that kind of thing, there's still no mechanism for 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 them to kind of reach out to say, hey, I'm a I'm a, I'm a you know I'm a, I'm a high you know level basketball player. I'd love to attend Howard. Um, case in point, there's a kid up here who has the highest vertical in Canada. Crazy kid. His parents would love for him to go to Howard. He's been courted by other Division One schools, but you know how, how do you make those connections? Right. Um, on the Mental no. Dialogue talk show live on the ads, how we do it, brother. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Here, here's my number. That's how you do it. The mechanism is the bro- you, you own the mechanism, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I would love to tell the parents, the parents would be so proud to send their kids there. But they end up sending them to Iowa State, you oh. know, um, Texas Tech. Ooh. Boom. Those kind of schools, they, they end up getting these kids because they're giving them the best opportunity. There's no, they, they don't, they don't know what Howard has to offer them from a basketball standpoint. The, the player I'm talking about now, and the parents, you know, would, would love it. So that's why people up here were very excited when the Kerr Maker went to Howard. They think, oh right. man, this opens it up. You know, these kids up here, yep. pack, yo, yo, I'm gonna go to Howard and that kind of thing. You know, and I'm just I'm 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 concerned that now that as the hype is gone, that the the, the opportunity will be closed, the door will be closed. Well, it has to start somewhere, and, and we can keep it growing. We're actually up against the break, Patrick. So thank you, um, as always, for your three cents of love when you call in, and if you want to get back in, come off the one and back on the one. For anybody out there listening, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six. Seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know that you want to speak. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Can you feel it? The music's hidden. I'm going deep within your soul. I'm about to lose control, girl. Let's get with it. Don't be so serious Tonight is only about us Let's get back and have some fun Life to understand So party's getting started Girl, now's a chance Make the slowing matches I don't know what I'm asking We don't need a feeling to dance We don't need a feeling to dance. We don't need a. I'm on the finish. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya A. Black Socrates. is another cut from Square Business Entertainment's Taylor Pace. Dance, go look them up on all music streaming platforms. Again, love them bringing us that real R&B, talking about love and not just sex and enjoying dancing in a, you know, just in a, a, a regular radio, so I definitely appreciate what Square Business Entertainment does and appreciate them as a sponsor. This morning's discussion question, can formal NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Our special guest co-host is Catherine Boxill, as well as our special guest head football coach, Howard University, Larry Scott. Um, speaking of, um, you know, kind of moving it, if you will, to the basketball side of things, again, we've touched on these various shows about HBCUs from all types of levels, even one time exploring a show of what if um, top athletes started going back to HBCUs. We probably did that about a year, a little over a year ago. And I remember on that particular show, again, speaking of basketball, the idea that um, if, if any sport could have that type of impact and, 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 you know, kind of going back to the call of Patrick's very, very great question, uh, but even in today's question, can former NFL players bring them the glory? Um, I think we're just really meaning it as a, as, in a sense, as a catalyst, because absolutely we've talked about it throughout the show. All of these things go hand in hand, but if that could ever be a catalyst, I think the move of that player going to Howard is an example. Uh, but what we talked about on that show if there was any kind of impact that could immediately be had at the HBCU level is if top basketball recruits, just because of the nature of that sport, if you had some of the top basketball athletes, if they wanted to go be a a fab five at a Howard University, at a Jackson State, at a a Grambling, if they chose to – to do what, to, you know, the Fab Five did it in mission, all kind of team up on their own and say, we're going to go to this school. The impact of them going through and whooping uh, all those bigger programs in the tournament, because that's exactly what would happen, because the talent would be there and send them to the right coach. That would have the the biggest impact ever. And I call it out again, something I would love to see more players like the one um, that Patrick mentioned it would be nice to see a few of them team up because on the basketball side, it would be amazing. Um, any thoughts on that, Catherine, if you will, Queen? Thank you again for being my co-host this morning. Yeah, I'm, you know, I I think it, it, it speaks to some of the other things that were just talked about a little while ago in terms of how to build programs and keep people engaged and excited, um, you know, because, it's great when you bring in a nationally known coach. It's great when a nationally known player comes in. But if you're not, um, if the university as a whole is not taking a holistic approach in terms of doing whatever they can do to keep growing and having the program thrive, then it's not going to thrive. (laughs) Um, And, and then those people who came in are not going to be able to build in in terms of bringing others and, and saying, hey, come along, this is great, you should come here too. Um, and so it has to be a total effort um, from, from top to bottom. Um, but one thing I, I did want to uh, 
talk about was the one and done um, thing that was mentioned um, previously, and and that's you know my concern <laughs> is when when the nationally known people do come in because since my time at Howard and now I think there's been maybe two coaches, maybe three that have stayed like four to five years or something like that. And that was Willie Jeffries and Gary Howell. And, you know, when they, and they were great coaches. They were men who I, I felt were very engaged with the players and the players loved them. And so when they left, you know, it was, you know, it was heartbreak. Um, But then even recently when, when Mike London came and again, great man seemed to be very engaged with the players. um, And he was a nationally known coach. um, So through his magic, he was able to bring in uh, Kalen Newton, which is Cam Newton's uh, brother. And so here we're excited. We got this, coach and we got this player and then I think Mike London coach London stayed a year <laughs> so it was like so it was kind of like the one and like you know one and done and it was like heartbreak because you're like here it is you're thinking you're getting ready to build on something and then you know and then they're gone and so it's it's kind of that you know hoping for consistency when, when, and although you can't control what people do, because you know, after all, it's life, and, and people do what they they feel is you know required for them in their life, their families, or whatever. But um, but you hope for that longevity, so that you can build that program and and that momentum and and keep it going. Um, so so, Coach Scott. Please stay well, yeah, let me while. let me let me throw this out if you, if you will. So now I, I, I respect the perspective, and we and we have the dialogue. And absolutely, Coach Scott, you know, obviously he's 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 you know kind of held 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 the shield on the first shot. And so you hear Catherine saying, "When they come again, keep your shield up, uh, brother." So I definitely respect um, the perspective <laughs> of, of, of wanting that longevity. Um, I, but I'll offer and kind of do this, you know, just kind of for dialogue. But I'll still, in a sense offer devil's advocate again just from the standpoint of not saying this is an end all be all or this is exactly what's needed uh, but i think shots in the arm uh, you know as you know as a top tier player or like even the you know for example you know talking about you know kind of still along the lines of basketball you know, a lot of the major programs had to adjust to the one and done players um, you know duke for example duke university kind of well known that they were in a sense one of the last major basketball powers to embrace the one and done thing, but it had become such a reality that you had to kind of, in a sense, learn to play in that arena. So I absolutely still think that if a band of, you know, one and done type players band together to, to make a, a deep NCAA run, I, I, I would, I think we would benefit from the hype, even if the school wasn't necessarily logistically ready for it, I would still and challenge young players to go do it, and 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 the notoriety would ultimately, possibly, in my my mind, leave out the fallout of getting those schools on TV. Because again, TV money is the same money that these pro teams are are chasing more so than us paying four hundred dollars to be in the seats. So just a just a thought on my yeah. you know for my part on my part. Um, Larry, um, Coach Scott, if you will, your thoughts on that. We got another caller as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally. Basketball is a sport. It, it, it is a sport where you can 
uh, where you can do that because uh, lo and behold, sometimes it only takes the, the right one player. A single player can can elevate a program uh, in, in in basketball. In basketball, so um, I mean, I, I can agree with that. And, and it's and it's arguments on both sides to how much of that success do you want to be able to continue to have? And, and you know, I tell you, you can build a team uh, in basketball. You can do that really quick. But then you know, wh- where's the program on the backside of that? Are we building programs or are we building teams? Right, let's go to the caller. Area code 647 Give us your name. Where you calling from? Well, you actually couldn't get him back in, I think. Uh, this is Patrick, I believe, right? <laughs> yeah, I just thought yeah, I just recognized right. the number again. Yeah, go ahead, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, go no, ahead. I love y'all get back in. We'll love it. I think, you know, for basketball and football as well as other sports, because HBCUs are are behind a lot of the other schools. That one of the things that would help, and I kind of behind in what regard? I would just give you, if you don't mind, uh, the, 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 the sports the sports programs are a little okay. behind. And 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 you know, and I don't want to. I just want to know what in what regard you're know, referring to. I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah, 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 they're a little behind <laughs> with 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 the with the athletic programs based on their they they have um based on their potential. Because they have the potential to be so, so good, and um, so I, I think um, because they're a little behind, that there needs to be special channels that are opened up. A lot of times, coaches have you know relationships with high school coaches and things like that. But I think that there needs to be a special channel opened up that will expose the kids that are a little bit higher level um, that are thinking different schools to consider, to have them consider a school like Howard, right? I think there needs to be something progressive that will propel them forward, the schools forward, instead of, instead of using the traditional or conventional methods, they need something a bit more progressive, and I'm just talking specifically about recruiting, that will, that will propel them forward, that will start getting them access to the, to the, to the young men and women that are, are higher level players to come. No, I respect that. Let and, me just uh, let me jump in real quick, Patrick, yeah. and just ask our guest. Um, you know, you said special channel. I kind of what, what do you think that might be? Um, but before I have to throw it back on you, um, Coach Scott, um, Catherine, any thoughts on what a, in a sense of that? You know, he, again, he just used the term a, a special channel, some other form of uh, of some way to, in a sense, incentivize or recruit these type players. Um, you know, any any thoughts, you know, for you, uh, you know, for, from that perspective? Kevin, you can go ahead. You can go first. I, I think, um, you know, you mentioned a little while ago Duke and, and, and how the one and done, you know, works for them. And I think to what your caller was saying is, you know, Duke, Duke, you know, Duke is Duke, right? And Duke has a coach or had a coach that was, um, there forever. Their their program is known, so they can afford to have a one or done. HBCUs, as the caller was just saying, and what I was thinking when you mentioned the Duke thing is, some of this can be new for them. So, so again, when I was just talking previously, is that we we have to create some consistency so we are are better known, understood for our value so that when a one and done comes that we're still thriving. I don't I don't think 
where like I I I for Howard we're at that place that when a one and done comes that we're still thriving, you know, because um, if if we were we we would be in a different um, situation. Um, so I think we have to have that consistency first and that consistent um, name exposure and people hearing about us and and seeing success stories and seeing longevity um, and and consistency and stability um, to create those type of, of relationships. I respect where you're coming from. I think you're, you're still in, in a sense on that dialogue. I'll just simply, if I will, just say this to you. So it's not that I'm even against the consistency and I actually agree to that. I just think there is a possibility that, that some little shot in the arm could actually lead to what you're talking about. I think it somehow could go hand in hand. And I don't, I don't disagree that, you know, maybe some of the HBCUs are not in the best place to hand, uh, handle a one and done. However, I don't want to talk like that and keep them from coming. I want them to come and we take our chances with whatever the, whatever the fallout is because I think it could ultimately be a benefit to our HBCUs, you know, if they get any type of run in the tournament because, like Coach Scott said, especially in basketball, one player could make that big of a difference. So, you know, obviously we're just having that dialogue. And, 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 you know, just walk and I'm, through still it. Go ahead, being, I'm still being, I'm still being selfish. I'm, I'm really like speaking to. I'm trying to 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 mind <laughs> um, to speak to uh, Coach Scott because I'm just trying to mind, you know, meditate with him so that you know. Again, <laughs> when that that next offer comes, he's like, "No, I have to do." So I'm, you know, yeah. that's that's just. You know. I respect. <laughs> I respect. We actually got one. We're actually up against our last break, so let me go to this last break, and we'll have a last segment and kind of get our final thoughts on this discussion. We will allow callers to get back in, um, maybe one or two um, on this next segment. The number is 646-787-1691. Again, that's 646-787-1691. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. LNG Technology Services, we are your industry leader in aircraft and heavy equipment repair services. In commercial business for over 15 years, LNG technicians have over 150 years of equipment-specific knowledge and are known industry-wide for returning worn-out, broken, and overused ground support equipment back to the user in working better than new conditions. For a service job done right at a value unparalleled in the industry, contact LNG Technology Services at 478 781 Four eight six zero. Again, for a service job done right, that number is four seven eight seven eight one four eight six zero. LNG Technologies is a Mental Dialogue Gold member and proud sponsor of the Mental Dialogue community. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me again directly at six four zero four. 604-9477 or reach us via social media uh, 
IG, Mental Underscore Dialogue. You can direct message or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. And ultimately, when we start talking about, in a sense, these progressive ways, getting the word out and getting the consistency um, that our special guest, Catherine, just spoke about for this morning's discussion question, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? And I got to highlight what we're doing here you know, on, mental, on the Mental Dialogue talk show, trying to get the word out, keeping the exposure going. Um, you know, thanks to our caller, Patrick, talking about, you know, the player going to Howard and not wanting that momentum to die. And so, yeah, this is, you know, a role I take very serious in the media, trying to highlight stories that are important um, to our community. So in return, I ask for your support at mentaldialogue.com. So uh, whether it's advertising or you as the individual, you can support by becoming a member at mentaldialogue.com. If you're outside of Atlanta, uh, we ask that you become a supporter. I'm only $5 a month. If you're in Atlanta, uh, we have other levels for some of our actual exclusive events that we do um, here in Atlanta. And for some of our business members, we have masterminds. And so that ranges from 19 to $49 a month, just putting those numbers out because we do need your support to remain on the air. So we want to definitely put that out there in regards to support. But our, this morning's discussion question, again, can former NFL players coaching at HBCUs return them to glory? Um, Catherine and Coach Scott, this has been, a, again, a wonderful discussion, just kind of breaking it out on all levels, but bringing it in the back in particular to football, um, you know, the dialogue we were just having, you know, I absolutely know that one player in a sense couldn't couldn't be that shot in the arm when it comes to manning a, a football roster. It definitely takes a lot more. So, again, just kind of bringing it full circle. And uh, as you hear uh, Catherine, in a sense, pleading and just keep putting that seed in your head, you know, you become that long-term effect. And, you know, I think just the way you've been talking, um, King, you will definitely have that perspective because, again, highlighting, again, this morning's discussion question in particular, the Dion Sanders of the world, the Eddie Georges of the world, and Dion playing cuts where he in particular – you know, talked about what does he see winning as, not just the the records, you know, the record itself, the wins and losses, but the elevating of enrollment increasing throughout HBCUs. So I do believe it becomes imperative that culturally we begin to have these dialogues and understand the importance of seeing our HBCUs as an opportunity. And one of the best ways to do it is to kind of go where people already are at. And, and that's in the arena of sports. So, again, Coach Scott, thank you for being on with us. Um, but just your dialogue and your thoughts on, you know, again, I know I said a lot in that, but I think it has to be part of the conversation, not just in the arena of sports, but in our community in general, respecting and understanding and honoring how important our HBCUs are. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, 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 is uh, I love the statement earlier, uh, when one wins, we all win, uh, because at the end of the day, we're still all tied to a very familiar strength um, that that we're all tied to, it. and the success of one of us uh, should should inspire uh, the rest of us. Um, and, and, and you know, again, just through it permeating throughout all of HBCUs, uh, but in the, our individual uh, universities, um, it's just the the support and all uh, making sure to that we're all pulling in the same direction. We're, we're not at odds. It's not one versus the other or one or the other. It's us together um, and, and figuring out, to, you know, continuously, you know, uh, 
build that bridge and the, the connectivity to how it all comes together for us uh, and, and to reach all of our goals, whether those are academic goals and, and thresholds or, or, you know, athletically. Uh, but that, that there is a, uh, you know, a way that we can all uh, bridge that together, uh, bring that together, you know, for the greater whole. You know, and the whole idea is just all of us becoming one, one how or not, or, or one grammar or whatever the case may be, that, that there's no opposition within the university. We're, we're totally 100% a united front. So I totally, totally agree with that. No, I love it. And speaking of the academics, Captain, I'll shoot this back over to you. Uh, but you highlighted this earlier that um, the reality is whether people recognize it or not, we're not hurting academically throughout um, the majority of our HBCUs, if you will. And I always love to highlight because people are typically unaware of this. But for our black doctors, our black scientists, our black engineers, most people are unaware that the majority of them are still coming from our HBCUs, even with a lot of our community, let's be honest, preferring PWIs over our HBCUs. Like, again, let's be honest about that. But the reality is the actual turnout of those who are graduating in the field, the majority of them still come from our HBCUs. Again, for, to me, more of a reason to have these types of dialogues highlight and, and remind even our own community the importance of the role that our HBU, HBCUs still plays, especially when it comes to actual, you know, since we care so much about money, getting to the dollars and having a career in what you actually went to school for. I think the HBCU still does a better job than PWIs in a lot of cases when it comes to that. Um, your thoughts, Queen? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, you know, let's face it, PWIs have their advantages. You know, I'm not going to take that away from them, but, you know, the HBCU experience is like none other to be able to be around on a consistent basis like-minded people who, again, you have that safe space to walk and talk and just be without having to look over your shoulder and think about what you're saying or how you're dressing or what you're doing, but the freedom to be able to to live your life and get an education in a safe in a safe uh, place where you can exhale and and have fun. <laughs> um, let's face it, because homecoming. I mean, you know. Um, so <laughs> there's definitely benefits to that. Um, it, it, and you can, you, like I said, you know, when I walked out the door, I didn't have to go to a P, PWI to know how to conduct myself. Uh, in a conference room or in an interview or in a boardroom or or at a conference, you know. Um, it was innate. Um, it instilled that sense of confidence in me and who I am and knowing who I am and comfortable in my skin um, that I can just, I can go and walk and be around um, anyone from a, a CEO, VP, um, down to whomever. Um, so, it definitely has its advantages, and I, I I certainly always encourage it. You know, definitely Howard. But if if it's not if Howard is not someone's choice or they're not able to attend, there are certainly uh, many other great uh, universities out there, um, HBCUs that are, that are waiting, waiting for us, and wanting us. No, I love it, and you know, and I and I even. 
highlight um, one of another one of our college brother Fiance just talking about things starting at the elementary level and what it means, you know, when somebody, in a sense, arrives on one of these campuses being ready at that point. Um, and, you know, just kind of talked about the idea of, of you know, in a sense, I know you were talking particularly our black children being ready at that point. And so I all, you know, and this is just to even highlight, in a sense, what's going on in the public right now. Like, for example, last Saturday show, we were talking about this, if you will, this critical race theory and how it's being politicized and things of that nature. Um, you know, that's a whole nother conversation in itself. But just relating it to mm-hmm. um, the concept of what I've been saying years before that, that debate even started for our community in particular, uh, our kids, unfortunately, quite often will go to public school and not and what I would always say is not see enough of themselves in a sense to have a sense of themselves. And that's the most important thing that we could input in our kids, you know, beyond loving them properly. Next best thing is to make sure they are instilled and understand who they are as a person. And since our public schools typically in most cases won't do enough of that, the HBCU is the, the experience that fortifies and while we said, like you said, why you could be the only one in that corporate room with no and have no issues, even more prepare, prepare in a sense to, uh, you know, go into business or deal with those scenarios, uh, and and a lot of people not realizing that you're better prepared, getting that sense of self that you quite often are looking to find yourself when you're going to these PWIs. I definitely recall, you know, my experience, even at the academy, just to highlight it, of constantly trying to find people like a Brent House, the caller that called in that, you know, somebody I call my brother to this day. But, it, you know, it was finding them in that unique situation that, in a sense, kept us having level of consciousness. But you can, I promise you, I saw plenty of people go through that experience that are, that are still lost in a sense, uh, you know, I'm 47 years mm-hmm. old, uh, person never having, um, in a sense, taken advantage of those critical development, young youth years in college of being able to find themselves. And hardly ever does anyone from HBCU walk away having to figure out who they are. That's the biggest competitive advantage, in my opinion, and why we have to have these conversations. So we got a couple of minutes uh, before we end the show. I appreciate both of you dearly uh, for this conversation this morning. Coach Scott, I'm going to start with you. Um, if there's anything else you want to say to those that are out there listening, and you know, in reference to your program in particular that you might want to say, um, please say it now. But thank you for your time this morning, King. No, I think thank you very much, and I think uh, not to necessarily towards the the program or any of those type of things. I think, uh, you know, the, the conversation is, is, is definitely great, but you just hit on something real powerful. And I think uh, the, the whole idea of, of these, these places and HBCUs being a space to, uh, to find yourself. And, and, I, and I think even, even in you come in my, from my personal perspective, um, you know, even at, you know, age 40 years old, you can, you can still rediscover yourself. And, and I, I get that same sense now, even as a, as an adult man, and being in this 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 um and being in this culture and being at an HBCU and being at Howard is is it's been a self identifying catalyst for me as well. So uh it, it's amazing it's amazing the power of uh HBCUs, but um, I'm gonna take it a step further, it's amazing the power of Howard. Um and then until you walk on that campus and until you see what that you know, to know what that feels like. Uh, man, you, it's a special place. You have no idea. So it was kind of a recruiting pitch at the same time right there. 
No, I love it. Um, Catherine, we got about 40 seconds. Um, you are a, a, a fellow cohort on these airways, what I understand. So anything that you want to put out publicly, I know you mentioned it in the beginning, um, about 30 seconds, but get out every information that you want. Queen, thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, I don't I don't have any information right now. I've been on hiatus from from my show, so um, you know, I I I'm just looking forward to the upcoming season, you know, coming out of this pandemic. Um Coach Scott, you don't know, I'm sure you'll know that, you know, beyond athletics, academics, uh people are looking to be healed and entertained um from the past year, so we're looking forward to this. And um, I'll be reaching out to connect with you. And I appreciate um, Montoya for this opportunity on the show. Uh, thank you all both for your time. For those in Atlanta, next Saturday, just mention it real quick, June 26th, Jazz in the Alley and Historic Door Cross supporting that event, the sister that runs that event. Looking forward to that. So see you all next Saturday uh, for the show and then later that afternoon for Jazz in the Alley. All I ask is that you think. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.